Welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Altai here with episode 115, joined this week by... Omer. There it is. That's the whole kit and caboodle. We're gonna start as off... always, go ahead. Oh, yep. We're going to start with the weekly raid. First, uh, last week's, to recap uh, what we did and what you guys thought. So last week we asked, can virtual worlds stay separate from the real one? This was inspired by Albion Online's continuing issues with RMT, uh, scammers, hustlers, and just Chinese gangsters overall. Uh, so we, we, I kind of, I kind of came on the side that no, I don't think it's possible, and um, that seems to be the common uh, position by you guys. Uh, Easy Machiavelli said here that uh, it's impossible to avoid, but perhaps you could have systems built in, like for example, Albion. It has one currency, silver. The other currency, gold, you buy it and you transfer it to silver. It does nothing else mm-hmm. besides convert to silver, really. So when you have one currency, RMT is easier. So there could be other systems in place that reward PvP, game time, etc. So you can't just progress with that one currency. So that's a, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good idea. Um, other people said, you know, it's hard to get around. It's unavoidable. Maybe Indies can do it. You know, but how big can they get? So. Seems like Listen, it's. I think. I think the problem again is fundamentally unavoidable. Anytime you can just give your account information to somebody, like no matter what, if there's any kind of progression in that game, whether it's through like um, skill points, levels, in-game currency, anything, right? Even if trading is unavoidable, right? In the game, you can't even trade in the game. As long as I can give you my account and my password, and I, you'll pay me for it, it's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. even without the, the the silver to gold ratio in the game and the trading between real money and you know, in-game money, people will transfer accounts, and that's always been an issue, and it's. Unless like developers develop some new out of like game system to like track IPs and who's logging to what account and like tying like an account to a social security number, a driver's license, it's unavoidable unfortunately. But I, they can't crack down on it by making in-game progression more based on like individual development and skill, like as a player than in-game stats. But I don't think we've seen any game do that just yet. Yeah, and I, I like the I like what you said about the um, real real uh, life like uh, account connection. Mm-hmm. I think in the West, we are going to see more of that in the, in the years ahead. Uh, for example, in China, now Tencent limits how many hours a day you can play um, Honor of Kings if you're under 18. And they do mm-hmm. that with this whole real name uh, connection that South Korea has been doing for a long time. You know, actually, that's a funny thought. Do you think South Korean MRPGs are so easy to RMT in, in America? Because in Korea, they don't have to worry about it. Is it really not an issue in South Korea though? Again, because we live in we live in the U.S., right? And we kind of experience all the RMT stuff happening all the time with like these third-party gold sellers. Do you think it doesn't happen? I, it has to happen in Korea. Like off the top of my head, it seems like it happens. But again, I haven't really investigated myself. But is is it not an issue over there? Oh, here's the thing. If you maybe the developer doesn't care, but my point is, if they ban you for RMT, you can never play the game again. So it's in their hands whether they want to do it or not, and they can control it. Here, they can't really stop a hacker or whatever. There, they can. I mean, we, we, maybe we'll get back into it next week about the effectiveness of that system and if it actually does stop in-game gold selling. Because with Chinese games, for sure, you know, you, you need an ID to make a game, like a Tencent account. You need a, a Chinese ID, like, like a uh, national ID number, as well as like a Chinese name and everything. And there are websites that just generate them, and you can just use those. Because hmm. we've actually made QQ accounts that way, and our guide on how to make a QQ account in China, you can just make it with this bullshit system. There's like no verification. And, and in South Korea... The problem of making a South Korean account was never um, so like Chinese, uh, Korean IDs really. You, we need like a, a phone number to verify the the account, and we don't have any South Korean phone numbers. Otherwise, you know anyone can make a South Korean ID. 
I think that was that was like the limiting factor to be able to play South Korean games. I, I definitely think even that stuff, even requiring a, a phone number. Yeah, it helps. It, it reduces all, it. It all helps. It always, okay. So not to dwell on that, guys. Uh, if you do have thoughts on that, though, you can feel free to keep leaving your opinions. We will read them. But we want to move on to this week's raid. And this week, we're going to talk about Lineage Eternal. Is Lineage Eternal cursed? Ooh, this one is a, is a doozy, boys. So a few months ago, we talked about whether Bless was cursed. So this, now it's Lineage Eternal's turn. Uh, mm-hmm. Lineage Eternal is the third game in the mainline Lineage franchise after Lineage 1, Lineage 2. This basically was supposed to be Lineage 3. It was first revealed in, all the way back in 2011. And it was supposed That's to be... Insane. It is insane. It was supposed to be a mobile and PC cross-platform uh, MMORPG. And at the time, guys, I remember hearing about this, in, you know, way back when. Oh, that'd be pretty cool if they did it. You know, and they showed gameplay. Like, it made pro- this game made progress. It had um, it had a closed beta in Korea. You know, screenshots came out, videos came out, and I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa! If I can play this on my phone, it's so cool. That was cool in 2011, but you know, it's 2017 now. This this whole cross-platform play is, you know, a lot of companies are doing it now. So. Lineage is having some difficulties. Uh, what are your thoughts on the game? And then I'll go into more detail about what happened this week. All right. I think when we, we both watched that one video on like the introduction of Lineage uh, Eternal, I'm not sure if that was a 2011 G-Star video. It might, it might have been a later one. It was like an over 10-minute long video with like mega hype talking about all the features of the game. 2014. And it was, I'm playing it right now. 2014. That was a phenomenal video. And that video got me mega hyped for it. I think anyone that watched that video uh, will be equally hyped for it too. But since then, again, we've heard numerous times like the closed beta is around the corner, this around the corner. It's been constantly pushed back. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to try it because, again, a, lin- a mainline lineage game is kind of a big deal. Like, the original lineage game came out, I think, 1996. It's one of the first, like, MMORPGs out there, really. It's, like, along the veins of... It came out before EverQuest. I think around the same time as Ultima. I'm not sure if it was maybe a little after, a little before. But it was, like, pretty innovative for the time. And lineage, too. My God, you had this giant, non-zoning like world, you know? Like, even EverQuest had zones, right? And, and Ultima had these server lines, which made it very awkward, like, traveling between these server lines. In Lineage 2, like, you had these massive zones. It was one persistent giant world. It was pretty innovative for the time. It was awesome. And Lineage 3 is supposed to be this next big game. And it seems like really cool. There's ARPG elements, but with not like a traditional Path of Exile or Diablo 3. It's an actual, it's an actual MMORPG. And it, it's mega hype. Honestly, it's really polished. And the Lineage name, again, it does carry more weight in South Korea, obviously. But I think, I mean, this was one of the Korean, like, the only Korean MMORPGs I'm mega hyped for. Maybe this and Peria Chronicles. But it's, it's sad to see that it's been pushed back. I mean, I was really hyped earlier this year because in their earnings report, like I mean, two quarters ago, they said that Lineage Eternal will be launching into open beta in 2017, open beta and full launch in South Korea in 2017. They, they, they came out and said this, like it was going to happen in 2017. And if it's out in South Korea in 2017, it's going to be out in North America probably you know a few months later. Or maybe even like they, they, they talked about a simultaneous launch as well before. So I thought this game could actually happen in 2017 because of that previous report. But it looks like it's yeah. a no-go. So what happened um, this week, they basically mm-hmm. announced that they're going to scrap the game on the current engine. Uh, and this is where I learned that they were actually using the Guild Wars engine. So Lineage Eternal was being built on the Guild Wars engine. Uh, that wasn't working, apparently. So they're going to switch to Unreal Engine 4. Uh, so that's a very that's, mainstream yeah, it's a very mainstream engine. Uh, it's Here's the thing. It, Unreal Engine 4 already has... Uh, uh, mobile and PC support, so it's very mm-hmm. easy to make a crossplay if you're using Unreal Four, I think. So mm-hmm. that's probably that's probably the main reason they did it. Uh, but obviously, it means they have to redo so much of the game because switching engines is not like a small thing. 
So I don't expect this game in 2018 even, honestly. Do you think the the reason behind the Switch was the mobile compatibility? Because again, we've been kind of sold on the the mobile thing is a big part of Lineage uh, Eternal. The fact that you can play the same game on mobile as well as PC, mm-hmm. it's that same dream that Albion has been trying to sell us. It's not, again, fully out in Albion yet either. And it's the same thing that RuneScape Mobile is trying to do as well. You can play the same game on PC and mobile. And from the get-go for Lineage Eternal, they kind of presented it as this mobile, this multi-platform game. You can actually play the exact same game on mobile. Do you think the delay is because of the mobile front? Because I can't imagine that they went this far on making the PC version. And clearly, the PC version had an open beta, a closed yeah, beta, rather. Closed beta. People played it. It was playable. There was, there was a lot there. And now the engine change, I think it has to have to be do with the mobile version. Uh, yeah, and, and here's a rumor, actually. It not, not, does not bode well for us. The rumor is NCSoft might just completely ditch the PC version. No. And just make Lineage Eternal uh, a mobile MMORPG. That's, that's a rumor, nuts. though. That's, not, that's just uh, speculation at this point. But yeah, I mean, yeah, seeing how much money is in mobile, it, it wouldn't be that far-fetched. But I feel like there's already the, the sunk... It's a, it's a fallacy, the sunk cost fallacy. But they've already sunk so much into it. I feel like it's not going to cost that much more to finish it on PC as well. And if the PC version ends up, you know, maybe not being as big, the mobile version can still work as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, besides that, I comp- again, I compared this game a lot to uh, Bless uh, in the Weekly Raid article. Because the two games... Yeah, both had just just these disastrous long protected uh, development cycles. Now, Bless uh, came out in Korea. It quickly had to merge down to a single server because it wasn't that popular. The Russian version closed down. The American and European versions were canceled by the publisher, uh, Aria. And uh, but here's the thing: NeoWiz has not given up. They're actually rebuilding Bless from uh, just redoing some of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully, they haven't given up. So there's actually a closed beta in Korea right now, guys, for the a rebuilt version of Bless, if you want to try that or try getting into that. Actually, uh, people are talking in the chat about uh, Lineage, I mean, uh, Lineage, not Lineage Eternal, uh, Moo Legend, actually, which is, again, because there's so much hype for Lost Ark and Lineage Eternal, we're gonna, I think we're going to have a lot more, we're going to have, um, you know, being able to play Moo Legend well before that. And it's basically the same kind of game, this MRPG with ARPG like elements and camera angle. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, that's going to, I think, capture a lot of that thunder. Unfortunately, there's still no release date in the West for that game. It's been out in South Korea for some time in open beta. But I want to talk a little bit about the technology behind the Lineage Eternal Mobile. And I think this might be one of the reasons we got the big delay. Uh, did, were you aware that the game is using streaming technology on mobile? So it's going to be trying to use that same technology that we've been promised forever. Like that you can stream oh. a game from PC, on, like from some kind of data center to your mobile device. So it's not actually going to be using the... Well, the mobile devices own like hardware, like a GPU and CPU that much. It's going to be, again, streaming it. But is that the old system or the new system? I think it's the, the current one. Really? So even with Unreal 4, they're going to do that? Again, no, this news just came out, right? With, oh, the, okay. with the Unreal okay, okay. change. Wow. But it's been cloud. They announced a partnership with this company to do the cloud streaming back in 2014. Yep. And even the closed beta on, you know, you, there's a subreddit for Lineage to Eternal. They were talking about the streaming features as of August 2017. Again, it's not done yet. So that that was one of the initial things that was going okay. to happen. I'm yeah. calling it. I'm calling it. That is the reason they had to cancel the old engine and the old version and redo them with Unreal because that didn't work. Whatever they're trying to do with the whole streaming to mobile didn't work. Mm-hmm. So that they're going to Unreal. Unreal is going to work, you know, on your phone. Like it's not going to be streamed to your phone. But obviously, one of the benefits of the streaming technology is again for those unaware, it's basically from your mobile device you can access like some cloud center with powerful gaming PCs, and the game plays over there in real time on your phone. So any action you make on your phone happens in the cloud PC and that sends it back to you via streaming. So it kind of circumvents the, the maybe the lower battery life when you're playing a game, 
that, that maybe even older phone you can still play the game. You know, it makes it so you can have these really PC quality graphics on mobile, like quite literally PC quality through mobile through streaming. And again, this is not a new idea. We've seen companies like OnLive try this ages ago, and they've completely flopped. Sony but technology is getting Sony tried doing it with Gaikai. They bought that company for hundreds of millions of dollars, and that began that becoming the backbone, I believe, for PSN. So they got some value out of that. But the actual streaming technology has not gone like mainstream yet, where you can actually, you know, accomplish this. I'm giving that whole concept a big fat no chance. Uh, there's actually a company right now called Liquid Sky. Have you heard of them? Liquid. I remember you played like The Witcher Two or something. Yes, I did, and it worked. But wasn't it like laggy and? And it, it was decent. It kind of worked. Anyway, I, I, I want to look at something coming out of Liquid Sky. They're currently, I think, the the front runner in this technology. So click on that link. You can see what, what they're trying to do. Okay. G play your games on any device. The first gaming PC in the cloud that goes... Uh, let me, let's see their video, okay, boys? I, 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 I have a video for you here. Look, this, this is their introduction video. This uh, is, again, Liquid Sky is trying to accomplish this. Is this different than the one I'm... Okay, let me see. No, probably, probably might be the same one. Okay. Yeah, same one. They're, again, they're trying to do that, you know, the thing where you can play these PC games on your phone or basically anywhere, even on older PCs, which is kind of cool. Not going to happen. If, doesn't Steam try doing this too, like, but only within your same Wi-Fi network? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't work well. It doesn't work. We actually tried it by accident. So, like, one time I left my PC on, right, in my room, and I went to the computer, uh, to the TV, right? And we have a computer hooked up to our TV, and I wanted to play a game with Omar and, like, a guest uh, co-op on a TV. So I logged into my Steam account on the computer, right? But I forgot I left it on on my uh, computer in my room. So when I installed uh, a game, I thought I installed the game, but what I actually was doing was I was streaming it from my computer in my room. So mm -hmm. it was laggish. I was like, why is this so laggy? Like, what, is it stuttering and stopping? I'm like, what, what's going on? And then I realized it was stream, it was like Steam streaming or something. And it was, it was just garbage. Like, it, this technology is a big fat zero, guys. Well, the, the guy that made this, he says, you know, he, he the problem was it was a software problem, and that's why like, he's saying that he figured out what the problem was, and that this is actually better and actually works. If you see, the, if you saw the video, it showed people playing PUBG on their phone. Again, I, I don't know why you'd want to play PUBG on your phone anyway. It's not going to be practical. But if you can actually seamlessly play PUBG or Overwatch or these other games, like forget the phone thing. I, I don't think it makes sense to play most of these games on the phone, right? So the 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 element that Lineage Eternal is trying to do, where they're trying to circumvent the limits of the phone with really good PC quality graphics. I don't think it's so important. I do think there's a big, I think there's a market for people with weaker PCs that want to play like PUBG without lag. They want to play Overwatch without lag and they're playing on these really old laptops. Those guys, if they have a fast internet connection, if they can get this technology working, it's going to solve a lot of problems on the PC because again, a lot of people have really shitty old PCs. But and you, this would actually solve it. Again, you're forgetting again, one thing. Promises forever. You're forgetting one thing. Usually the guys with the shitty laptops also have shitty Wi-Fi connections in, in the second floor of their house uh, with like 12 walls in the way and you know and they get like one mbs so <laughs> you know like i'm saying the, the people first of all I, I still think if you're using wi-fi you're, you're not a, you're not a pc gamer you're like a, you're like a you're like a semi-scrub so you're semi-scrub semi not, not full-on scrub no, you're not you're not you're not a console gamer or anything but you're a semi-scrub right, i mean I, I actually signed up for this company because i want to try out this bullshit see if it actually works right but the problem is if you don't pay uh there's like a nine week window we have to wait to like get in there's like, this, there's like a beta period. You got you to wait to get your chance to play. I just want to see if it actually works because if it, the guy who made this says that 2017 will be the year of stream gaming, this kind of gaming. 2017? What are you, what are you this, born this halfway year. through? So we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. Again, this is, maybe that's what's holding up Lineage Eternal. And again, we, we've been promised this technology for a long time. It hasn't happened yet. But I, I don't see why it won't work 
you know, like principally, like it just seems like the input lag is gonna be the problem. The latency will be the problem. They promise low latency, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. There's, I, I'm giving it no hope, no hope. Yikes, though, no hope is no that's hope. that's because just the, like I said, the, the audience this would work towards are is the audience with the worst internet connections. If you don't have a good computer, you obviously don't care about this stuff that much, right? So you mm -hmm. probably have a really awful like DSL modem in your basement, like connectors. Your modem is in your basement, so it has to go through like cinder blocks up to your second floor of your you know bedroom, and, and, and don't forget there's like eight other people streaming Netflix on that connection. So <laughs> this is a big fat no. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe if that generation, like maybe when gigabit rolls out a bit more, and like internet technology has definitely been increasing faster and faster. All right, so I think the average U.S. internet speed was like only ten megabits, like five five six years ago. Now it's up to like twenty five or twenty. So it's definitely gotten better overall. But I think Wi-Fi is definitely going to be an issue because people do use Wi-Fi and they don't set it up properly or they have it like really far from their PC. Mm -hmm. Honestly, though, like when I tell my friends tell me they have Wi-Fi, I'm like, dude, just buy an Ethernet cable, run it to it. Who cares if it goes to the floor? You know, it's worth it. Indeed, indeed. A uh, quick mention for Lost Ark, which I think Lineage Eternal is also trying to compete with directly. Uh, that one also hasn't come out yet. So these two, you know, MMO, ARPG, Korean titles are kind of competing on which one can take longer to come out that's really rough though again i think we're going to get a lot of games going to kind of moo moo legend will capture yeah, some moo of that market will i mean moo will capture the both eat the both of their lunches you know actually i want to show you a quick moo legend video i just saw while looking at webzen's uh, page look moo legend like it doesn't have the same hype that lineage eternal does or lost ark but it's not bad like I mean, is there any gameplay in this video? there is after like 20 seconds which There's one 20 seconds of gameplay after 20 seconds you look it, it looks pretty which, decent you look me the channel which one should i watch uh, the, the, let me link it again. I think the game looks surprisingly decent. I mean, we played it during, um, we played the game during the closed beta, and there's still no, no, they said summer, so I think they have until September to release it now, if they want to meet their original goal. But it's definitely not a bad game. You know, it played really well, it's got the nice DPS charts, good fair variety of classes, and it's, it's really like, I guess maybe a lower production value version of Lineage Eternal or Lost Ark, but at least you can play it. I mean, not now, actually, but you can play the South Korean version. It's been out in open beta for, I think, over two months now. Hopefully, this version eventually does come out. Yeah, I mean, we played this uh, when it was in closed beta, and I think we all pretty much enjoyed it. So, looking forward to this one. I was looking at the WebZen's, WebZen's earnings report came out uh, earlier last week as well. And can you guess what percentage of their revenue comes from the Moo franchise? I, I think I saw the headline. It was like 70 plus. Yeah, over seventy percent of all the money Webzen makes from all their games comes from uh, this this the Moo franchise, whether it's Moo Legend, Moo Origin, or Moo Online. I mean, the first Moo game is still unbelievably popular. You know, we actually um we did a video for Friday Grindfest this last week. We played Ragnarok Restart, which is unbelievably popular. And if you look at you know, Moo Legend, you know, Moo uh, Moo Online is still like like Ragnarok. It's got this this cachet of people that played the game back in the day and they, they grew up and they love the game. So if you log on the official Moo servers, it's unbelievably packed. And there are private servers for Moo that are all, some of them have thousands of players. So it's almost like Moo and Ragnarok are like these old games that are both thriving on private servers and have this old hardcore player base that just won't leave. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that the, the whole uh, Grindfest last week. So mm -hmm. Ragnarok Online has a restart server on Steam right now. And that mm -hmm. thing was so packed that they had to manually be whitelisting accounts. So I couldn't play because I made my account like an hour before the Grindfest. Mm -hmm. So my account wasn't whitelisted in time for the Grindfest, but that it was so packed that they had to do that. Like they had so many, it had more people than like than any private server I've seen. Yeah. 
Actually, take a look at the video I made because I, I walked through Prontera in my video showing just how unbelievably busy the game is. Even in Payon, I mean, I, I grew up, I mean, one of my earlier experiences with Korean MMORPGs was Ragnarok Online. And I looked at Ragnarok Restart on Steam charts and it was not impressive. Like, literally, nobody was playing this game on, according to Steam charts. But for some reason, I, I played it on Steam. I guess it wasn't counting Steam users for some reason. When you log into the game, it tells you how many people are on the server. And the server has about 7,000 players concurrent, pretty much almost all the time, which is unbelievably popular. It's actually, if you, if you put those players on Steam, it's one of the most played MMORPGs on Steam, despite Ragnarok being over, like, what, 14, 15 years old? Mm -hmm. And you know, this is a progression server, which means it's, it's going with the OG version of Ragnarok, how the game was when it first launched, and they're introducing content slowly. And from everything I've seen, literally every progression server I've seen, including EverQuest, like... It's done well. People, people, there is nostalgia out there, and Ragnarok Online proves it. Like people are like, the official Ragnarok Online servers. They have like 500, 600 players online. Maybe actually 300 to 500. The IRO servers, International Ragnarok Online, and all they did was relaunch this uh, this progression server, the old school version of Ragnarok, and the player base jumped. Everyone is jumping online to try this. It's not even like it's been out for weeks already. So the initial hype, you know, maybe is already gone. But there are 7,000 people playing. This tells me there is unbelievable pent up demand. It goes back to uh, you know World of Warcraft. I'm telling you, if they launched a vanilla server for World of Warcraft, no matter how you feel about vanilla, I think we can all agree. So many, it would, it would be the single most played, most popular server in in WoW, hundred percent. Yeah, the, the busiest server. And uh, I'll give you my conspiracy theory. I I, I mentioned this in the uh, Friday Grainfest. I think Blizzard doesn't want to launch a vanilla server because they know it would be the biggest server, and all the work they did after vanilla. Because the current people at Blizzard uh, uh, are probably not all the same people who worked on vanilla, right? They, they worked on the new stuff. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to be embarrassed by like how much people prefer the old stuff. So they don't want to do it. But Whereas um, you know, games like uh, Gravity doesn't have a choice. Gravity is like low on money. So they, they, they want to make a progression server just to make money. And same with EverQuest. You know, like, uh, Daybreak mm -hmm. is not like killing it besides with uh, Survival of the Fittest or whatever that game is called. So, you know, EverQuest is not killing it anymore. So they need to make the money. So that's why they do uh, progression. But even like people are always saying with the vanilla server, like, why not make a progression server? That way they can even catch up to the latest content, you know? That way, if they did a progression server, it would almost like solve that conspiracy theory because you can still restart the game and get through the, like, the expansions, like make, give enough time between expansions that people can experience it the way it was, right? Yeah. Like if they did that, they can kind of avoid like the, like, it's facing that issue head on that their work was kind of garbage, you know? Yeah, if, if every like six months they release one expansion, you know, starting with vanilla and then going, that would be a really popular and fun uh, a server. I, you know what? I would probably play on it. You know, at least I would subscribe to it too. Yeah. I would subscribe to WoW for that experience. But like, why don't they do that? Like, we talked a lot about vanilla, but progression server seems to be a little bit different. It's a different beast. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and you know, people they, they 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 talked a lot about the technology. Like, oh, we don't have like the the server data anymore. We don't like we can't easily do it. Like. That's such nonsense. How could a company like Blizzard, which is worth over 40, Activision Blizzard, worth over 40 billion US dollars, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, not be able to do a progression server for their MRPG when you have Gravity, this, this tiny ass Korean company, being able to pull it off of Ragnarok Online or Daybreak Games, this private equity owned, tiny, no, relatively small gaming company can pull it off for EverQuest 1. No, spoilers, EverQuest 1 is a lot older than WoW and they figured it out. They can, they, they can do a progression server with OG EverQuest up to like to 25 plus expansions they launched how the like the idea that they can't do it or it's all it's so difficult is what really gets me grinds my gears most about the this this you know vanilla response from blizzard that they can't do it 
how how can these you know, no-name companies, tiny-ass companies, they can't do it. But Blizzard, with all the money and resources in the world, and they have the most popular MMORPG in the West, they can't figure it. It's such, ugh, it just well, seems so dishonest. And you know what's funny? They kind of shot themselves in the foot because... Uh... Because they, we know they can do it. Because I remember watching a StarCraft Remastered trailer, right? And in this trailer, uh, well, in this in one of the dev diaries, they even said we didn't have all the source code, original source code. So we had to kind of like rewrite some of the stuff to match the old version. Mm -hmm. So if they can do it for StarCraft, like they clearly can just eye eyeball it. Like see, um, you know, see what Elysium is doing, or other private servers for vanilla, and just or just look at their old footage or you know its content and just yeah. eyeball it, you know. So, so they, it's possible. It's definitely possible, yeah. And they don't have to do everything from scratch because there are some things in WoW that did get better. Like the engine got better, the graphics got better, um, mm -hmm. the support for the current you know, OS, like Windows 10, got better. So they don't have to like go back to the old graphics, I, I think, at least. Some, some yeah. people are probably purists. They, they want like the old you know, 2004 WoW graphics. I don't I don't care about that. I don't, I'm, I'm fine if they use the current engine. They just got to start the content from vanilla and just go forward. Yeah, but it's like they've already kind of said we're not going to do it which is really unfortunate <laughs> but i would I'm, i would i would love to know how many people would actually end up playing on a, on a world of warcraft progression server i think it would be unbelievably successful mm -hmm. but we're never gonna get to find out because they've already said it's not gonna happen ripperino all right let's move on to a, a fun little topic as i've you know for final fantasy 14 they launched a patch this last week but i think the more important part of the of the update is that they came out and said there's over 10 million cumulative players that have tried the game since launch and that is obviously the most bullshit metric. It's yes. a very dubious metric. Yes. Cumulative players doesn't mean concurrent players. It doesn't mean active players. It doesn't mean monthly players. If they said con monthly, concurrent, or monthly active, like these are useful metrics that we can compare it to other games. Mm -hmm. But when they say cumulative, they literally mean anyone who has ever tried the game, which presumably counts free trial users. So it's, again, a very odd metric. So it's weird that they actually end up using it. Yeah, I mean, I hate when... You know, you know who's notorious for this? RuneScape. RuneScape always touts these big, like, 300 million accounts made. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's a free game. You know, I, I probably, over the years, I alone made, like, five RuneScape accounts. Like, Yeah, me too. And I never, even, like, I was never, like, a hardcore RuneScape player. But I just, every time I wanted to play it, I made a new account because I forgot my old one. So It was like that for MapleStory, too. I think when my first account got banned, I would, I would keep making new accounts once in a while to, like, try a new class. I'd come back, like, a, a couple months later, and i forget my password. I, I, I easily have, like, five Nexon accounts. And I think I have, like, six or seven area games accounts. Because for some reason, I always forget my Area Games account, and I can't be bothered to recover the password. I, I just make a new one. So I've made so many accounts for these games, and I, we can't be the only ones. I'm sure everyone does this as well. Yeah. So I, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, do, you know, these numbers aren't very exciting for me. <clears throat> but uh, well, you can still, we do have a metric to compare. Uh, last year they released the same bullshit metric, but that same cumulative number last year was at six million. So wow. between last year and this year, that number has increased four. That's actually a pretty big jump, though, six million to ten million. I mean, it must be doing something right to get the, those kind of numbers. Obviously, the game has, you know, quote-unquote, went free-to-play to level 35 now. So I think a lot more people are, are trying it. Previously, you had this, uh, like, I think it's 14-day free trial. So you could play the game during that period. But now you can, you know, stick a lot, along a lot longer, which I think attracted a lot more people to try the game. Maybe some of those guys stuck around. Maybe they didn't. But that's probably the big boost. And obviously, the Stormblood expansion brought some players as well. Yeah, and I remember um, I actually played. I I fought, fought a boss on my my brother's computer last night for FF14, mm -hmm. and you know it, it does have a that old school drawn out long boss battle, so that was fun. Yeah, if you do any of the boss fights on on harder modes, it, it takes a long time, and you know it's very easy to f up. You know, if a couple of players uh, 
there are a lot of almost like one or two shot mechanics on the boss fight. So if people screw up, it's gonna it's gonna be an issue. You know, you have to keep wiping to do some of the bosses, and that's again, I think that's that's what I like a lot about you know some of the more RPGs. Like when you're when you're struggling to beat a boss, and you wipe five six times, and you're just learning a bit more every single time. And it again, we talked about this before, but it really sucks that those fun boss fights, those challenging encounters, are all locked away at the end of the game and the end game experience, and none of that is available early game. And we talked about Bless as well, but Bless had some really good early game fights. I think that is good early game dungeons, like the, the level twenty, level thirty. You can you can actually have fun doing. You know, most dungeons I find in MMORPGs are not fun. And I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen is no exception. You know, I, I like the game, right? But the content is face roll easy, especially all the all the story dungeons. You know, there there are bosses, but they're really made so you can't die. They've really MMORPGs have really made it too easy. Yes, you can do it on harder modes and everything, right? But for the story content, you're queuing up doing with four or five people, four people, and it's just, it's brain dead easy. You can just, it's unbelievable. And in, in, in Bless, you do wipe, you know? You wipe all the time doing some of these dungeons early on. We wipe like five, six times, and then we beat it, and it would feel so good. But And even, you, you get that experience in Rage as well, when you wipe a few times and you finally beat it, it feels, that's like one of the highs of MMORPGs, I would say. Beating a, beating a boss after so many attempts. And celebrating with your friends, but like you don't, you don't, you don't get that anymore until you get to late game. Unfortunately, I actually have some bad news for you. If that's your hmm. uh, position, the bless uh, rebuilt, remade, mm-hmm. they actually made the dungeons easier. Remember those original dungeons we played? <coughs> oh no! And the boss fights were actually challenging. Yeah. We we died like multiple times. Um, so apparently, in the remade version, they can almost be soloed. No, that's, that's so bad. That's what I got. I watched some videos of people playing the closed beta, and that was like one of the observations. I mean, also with Bless, re, re, they call it Bless Rebuild or something. Uh, it, it's basically the same game. I mean, they're not really you know, rebuilding the game unless they're doing the engine. I don't know. No, no, no. They're just doing. They're doing the whole. They're doing the whole combat thing. Where they're trying to make it slightly more actiony, and mm-hmm. just kind of fixing it up in general. Neowis, listen up. Fuck all that stuff. You're wasting your time. Just make the game work. All right. Make the game playable. <laughs> all right. It's it's one of the worst optimized MMORPGs ever. All right. Just fix that shit, and your game has a chance. Okay. Don't even worry about the design stuff. That stuff is, is second, third, fifth fiddle. To actually making the game playable, all right. That's the thing they got to fix. Make it playable. High uh, FPS, it'll work. I'm sure they're working on on that part too. So we'll see. We'll see what the, where they go. Something chat saying. I think story difficulty in dungeons should be easy. Yo, I agree with you. Okay, it's fine on the default mode, right? But don't make it brain dead easy. Make me at least have to like try or learn. You know, maybe maybe make it so I can wipe dying once and then learning the mechanics is fine. But like in Final Fantasy 14 story mode dungeons, you can just eat every single like you, you just don't don't juke the like attacks, because like you don't you don't even bother, because like I'm gonna stand the spot, and keep shooting, because it's easier that way. Well, I don't care if I take damage. Hmm. Well, I'll put it this way then. So Omar, uh, I played on my brother's computer, and I, yeah. I I didn't use the full rotation. I used three spells, right? Yep. I felt like if I was just AFK. Oh, the fight would be fine. Maybe you, the you, fight would have taken like maybe two minutes longer, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. That's too easy. Like at least make it so all players in the group have to like be on the computer. That's all. That's all. That's, 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 that's all I'm asking. I agree. Because again, <laughs> it shouldn't be difficult. It just should be a little bit harder. And I, I reserve the more difficult content for the savage and extreme mode, which is good. They do that really well. I think the the extreme and savage content is appropriately scaled and is a fun experience. But it just it, and and the, another problem too the the story mode dungeons they don't prepare people at all for the for the more difficult modes. You know, if you if you're trying to do that boss fight that you just did, Susano, on like the the, the actual raid difficulty modes. You, you just you you are not prepared at all. Like what you did earlier, just gave you zero preparation for the more difficult current content, mm-hmm. which is just silly. It should give you some idea, you know, but it gives you none. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, I got a fun story since we're talking mm-hmm. about WoW a little here. Blizzard. So, a few months ago, back in March, I believe, Blizzard said that they're going to re- get rid of Battle.net. They said people were getting confused, especially new players. What is Battle.net? You know, like they're used to seeing Blizzard. You know, WoW was a Blizzard game. StarCraft II is a Blizzard game. What is this Battle.net thing? And for us veterans, um, when we played Diablo II, StarCraft One. Battle.net was how we connected and played online. So it has some cachet to us. So we were kind of sad to see it go. Uh, there was a lot of uh, flashback from veterans against it. But they they went ahead and named it uh, Blizzard App. So if you launch your uh, Blizzard App now, that's what it'll say. It'll say Blizzard App. Uh, mm-hmm. But in fact, today they announced, well, like two days ago, they announced that they are in fact bringing back Battle.net. So the full name of the launcher will now be Blizzard Battle.net. Uh, I'm actually glad to see that back because yeah, we grew up playing StarCraft and Battle.net was like the login for StarCraft and for WarCraft as well. And, and it's got more oomph, right? What is the Blizzard launcher? It just sounds so bad. Well, Battle.net. I'm ready to battle, all right? Here's the disin- disingenuous part. So they said they don't want to cause like branding confusion, right? When they got rid of it. But then they brought it right back. And here's what they said. After speaking to our community and like realizing that it's part of our history, we need to have Battle.net back, right? But, <laughs> but here's the real reason they brought it back. Uh, Destiny 2 is going to be on Battle.net, the first non-Blizzard game. And I think they want to bring other games, like Call of Duty, which is also by Activision, to the Battle.net launcher. And you can't have mm-hmm. it be called the Blizzard launcher if there's non-Blizzard games on it. And Battle.net is more uh, like third-party generic. So I think that, that's why they did it. I, I, I just think it sounds a lot nicer. Battle.net has way more oomph. It's got way more soul. We talk about soul a lot in this podcast, and it's, it's a very hard-to-quantify thing. But Blizzard Launcher, I mean, Blizzard is an iconic franchise. The name, it means something, right? But it's, I don't know. Battle.net is is the way to go. Yep. So uh, that is uh, it's a fun little story. We've got to see uh, that they won. Uh, All right. I, I, I want to talk about a fun story because this game, there's an old school game that's actually launching, which I'm, I was surprised by. This bit of news, like, I was literally scouring the net for, like, news to put up, right? Because, like, sometimes when we're putting the news on the most.com, like, we want to cover stuff other people aren't covering. We usually get press releases from companies about their news and stuff. But I ended up on GameAndGame.com, which is this oddball like portal of South Korean games. I think it's supported by the South Korean government to encourage like innovation in games. But they're going to be launching Tartaros Online in November. And the only thing I knew about Tartaros was that it was on GamesCampus.com. And it was listed as coming soon. And it was listed as coming soon for like a year or over a year. And I, I, I was curious when this game was going to come out. And then eventually it just disappeared. And, and literally they never mentioned it again. So like, all right, I guess Tartarus isn't coming out. But now the game is being relaunched. Maybe that relaunch is not the right word, but it's being called Tartarus Rebirth, which sounds very odd because the game didn't really die for it to be reborn. It actually never came out in the West. But I, I didn't know this was an old game either because when I saw um, now Games Campus, I figured maybe it was a new game. You know, it's a relatively new game. I didn't really do a lot of research on it because I was just waiting to play it. And when they canceled it, I forgot about it. But it came out back in 2009. Why? Why is this game launching from two thousand and nine on on Game and Game today? Like, is anyone going to play this? Game and Game is the weirdest thing on the internet, guys. It is it is a publisher of MMOs that is sponsored by the Korean government, and it is basically where these games go to die. Like the the, the dregs of the of the uh, Korean gaming industry end up on Game and Game. I think they specialize in basically games that nobody wants to license. Because basically, if you're a South Korean developer, 
and you made this game and like you're trying to get people to publish it like in America and everyone's like lol no your game sucks right which is I guess what everyone said to Tartaros and so the South Korean government spends money on running GameandGame.com and advertising GameandGame.com to promote their local game development industry so they actually the South Korean government is directly responsible for the exportation of shitty Korean MMOs to America that's that's a fact all right because again they're actually spending money on this because they pay to advertise all the games on GameandGame.com and we we've seen ads on from Game and Game on MMOs.com before too. I mean, they pay to promote some of their games, so they are actually you know paying for these games. And nobody wants to license these because any game that's actually licensed, it doesn't end up on Game and Game. Game and Game is only unlicensed games, basically. Yeah, and uh, we actually played a uh, a Game and Game game as part of our Grand Fest Friday. So last mm-hmm. week we did a double feature of classic games. We played some Dark Eden uh, Origins, which is another game, a Korean game from 1997. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was an interesting experience. It was it was it was surprisingly decent. Okay, and the problem with Dark Eden was it was very poorly optimized for newer PCs, so it was really lagging in town when a lot of people were in town. And I think we were both surprised how many people were actually playing Dark Eden Origin. So if you look on the Steam charts, it's quite misleading. Steam charts had a pretty low number. When you log in, it's it's way way bigger. That's true. Uh, I actually didn't expect anybody to be in the game. But there were people in town, even this newbie town we started in. And I think uh, a lot of third world countries still play a lot of these games. <laughs> you know? So I'm not. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what the. I really don't know the PL, especially to, like, my own people, the Turks. They play the worst games, like Night Online, Wolf Team. It, it just baffles me. Mm <laughs> hmm. Actually, um, going back to Grand Fest Friday for a bit, I mean, with uh, we played both Dark Eden and Ragnarok, but like some features in Ragnarok, I felt were still like they still hold their own even today. And, it, and we're talking about soul too. I feel like so many modern games have no soul. And if you look at basically anything on on Game and Game, like a lot of these, like a lot of these older, like Asta Global, like you've played Asta Story. This I think Asta Global is Asta Two, still basically the same game. Like if you played Asta Story, it was like. One of the most generic games ever. It was like this, this anime like MRPG with no soul. It just felt like it has no purpose. It doesn't do anything better or anything different. Like there are so many Korean MRPGs and Chinese MRPGs that are literally like this formula. It's very formulaic. It has no interesting elements. Nothing done particularly well. But then you have games like Ragnarok Online, which you know they're they're still old, but they've done a few things like, really really well. And with, with Ragnarok Online, I think what works really well in Ragnarok, even today, that we've kind of lost. Is the game has so much customization, mm-hmm. you can make a like, a, a, you know, a, one class can be built so many different ways. Like you can have a no decks on assassin or something. Like a single assassin character, assassin cross, can be built with different skills, right? Because you can't reset your skill points, so you can do a skill your skill build differently. And there are actually many different builds on that. And your stat points can be done at least like in, in, in like three or four different ways. There's balance builds, you know, all into one stat builds. Like there are actually different ways to build your stats. And since then. We've seen so many MRPGs implement stat systems, right? But they've done they've been done so poorly to the point where there's no point of their existence. But why why was there ever a stat system in, in Final Fantasy XIV? You there was only one way to ever build your stats. If you put if you're playing a black mage and your stats are not all intelligent, you're doing it wrong. That's like the only way to do it. So Final Fantasy XIV got rid of their stat system because they realized how stupid it was. There's no actual depth there. And Maple Story, if you ever played Maple Story, there's only one way to build your stats. There's no reason to even have that system, really. Where Ragnarok actually had many ways to build your character, both in skills and stats-wise. Like, this is such a basic premise of, like, customization. 
try and make a character different. And we've lost that in so many games. Like, if you look at even Diablo 3, mm-hmm. there's, there's no differentiating factor between your barbarian or your character and somebody else's character. Literally none. I think that's one of the reasons Path of Exile kind of shines as well. Well, here's the, the, the problem. There's, yeah. there's a huge problem with what you said. I love Path of Exile. But here's the thing. When I first played it uh, near launch, right? I got to like level 30, 40, and I stopped. Because I didn't go out of my way to like read about it and learn about it. So I kind of, when I leveled up, I put my skill point wherever, right? My, my um, Yes. And the thing is, like some people are saying in chat, they found the game boring. They didn't know what to do. So they left. Imagine you're playing Ragnarok Online, MapleStory, any of these games that we love. Ultima Online, EverQuest. If you give these games when it came out to 100 people, okay, you, they're testing it. I would say 9 out of 10 people, after an hour or two, are going to drop off. Because they're going to walk around in Ragnarok. They're going to get lost on a map. Like, they're going to go the wrong way. They're mm-hmm. going to see mobs that they can't kill easily. They're going to be killing the pourings over and over again. They're not going to know what to do. And and, and they're not going to read. They're not going to ask for help. They're just going to uninstall. 9 out of 10. Oh, come, but the other 1 come. out of 10 who actually, for, for if they get lucky and they actually go to the right, if they zone into the right map and then now they're in town and they know what they're doing, they're going to have an amazing time. No, but if you, if you look at the games that are doing that, like, Look how many games like Asta Global that you have. They're just built to coddle players. I think somebody said in the chat, I think MMORPG players are some of the most spoiled in the world. And, and I, I hate saying spoiled because it can literally mean anything. But yeah, I, I think we've been coddled too hard to the point where if you if you do all the suggestions you say and make the game easy and like just easy to figure out and stuff too, right? You end up with soulless games like Asta Global. Say what you will about no, Path no, of Exile. No. Like, Asta hmm. Global is a, probably the zero budget gaming. But... For example, Diablo 3, which I think is way worse than Path of Exile, by the way, is huge. Diablo 3 is very successful. It sold like tens of millions of copies. Like Blizzard is raking it in. They're happy with that. Mm-hmm. So Diablo 3 is doing way better than Path of Exile. So I think they're quite happy with the dumbification they did with, with Diablo 3. I kind of wish we could find out the concurrent users of Diablo 3 because I think a lot of people bought that game because it's Diablo. And I don't know how many of them stuck around. I mean, I, there's no, no, no doubt it's one of the best selling games. If you look at the year year over you know every year sales numbers, I mean they're selling millions way after launch. This is I'm not talking about. They didn't just, it's not like it's not like it was all bought at launch. I, I wish we could, you know we could find out. Uh, I don't know. I still seem I'm still questionable about the. You never about, played you know, Diablo three, but like so no. you kind of missed out on the yes. It's a lot easier, but the thing is, it did sell well. It, it is popular. Yes. It is pop. It is you know it it was a commercial success. Uh, for them. I think, again, it's okay for games to have this learning curve to the point where I, I've gotten so used to games coddling me that it just... like When I have to figure something out on my own, it's 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 fine as long as it's, no, you know... But, no, but here's the thing. You need to do it well. It's harder to do things well. If, and that kind of, like for the Path of Exile. Sure. When, we, when I was trying to, I was walking with my brother through Path of Exile. And, you know, I tried to get him to play it a few times. It never really clicked for him. This time, it, it seems to have. because I, But I had to walk him through the fact that he had to look up guides online. He had to use third-party trading websites, a different site to check prices, a different... Uh, he had to install auto-hockey and these special macros to check the item levels of, like, the hidden stats of things you find. It, you basically have to download, like, at least five... Uh, download Mods. or use five different third-party uh, sources to play Path of Exile properly. And if you don't... It's not like if you don't do it, you're not going to... You're not going to miss anything. If you don't do it, you're not going to have fun. Like You won't know what's going on. You won't know what's good, what's bad. You'll end up just sitting and using like these shitty items, and you won't get far. You, you can't even progress in the story. You'll keep dying. You won't know why you keep dying. Uh, you won't know what to do to get stronger. So it, it really is make or break. Um, you have to put hours into doing research for this game. And I think a lot of people today, when they have so many choices, are not willing to do that. But why have they made that choice to do so? Path of Exile is being unbelievably successful today. I think people, they, they crave... 
that extra level of complexity. They want that level of difficulty. They want to be challenged, even if it's not in-game. Like, they want to have to actually think and do stuff. Hold up, hold up. No, they don't. Diablo 3 is way bigger. So they clearly don't. We don't have concurrent numbers on Diablo 3. Do you, so really, I, think, do you really think Path of Exile has more concurrent users than Diablo 3? Also, is Diablo 3 played like a traditional MMO or online game, or are people playing as a single-player game, facing the story, and then not playing anymore? No, they come back every like I think they come back every big patch and play for it and make a new character for the season. Kind of like what I'm doing with Path of Exile. Again, we don't know the numbers, but I agree. It's fine. Diablo 3 is big, but look, Path of Exile is a big success. If you look at most of the Korean MMORPGs, Chinese MMORPGs that launched in America in the last like five years, almost all of them follow that formula you described of being no effort thinking. To the point where quest like it's not autoplay yet. Like mobile games are all autoplay, right? But if you launch, like they all have autopath in your quest locations, to your you know quest completions, and it's so like you can't get lost. But you like Revelation Alliance is a perfect example. There's a game that literally held your hand for the first like ten hours. You're doing all these stupid story quests, and you're not doing anything. You click on a button, you run to your where you have to go. You kill one enemy, you click a button to hand it in. You keep going. It literally is completely autoplay. You can't get lost. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. No, no. I don't think. Well, I mean, the problem with <laughs> Revelation, first of all. Is just Chinese, so they actually do the worst of both worlds. They coddle you through the first two hours, and then without really teaching you any of the systems. And Revelation Online actually has a lot of complicated systems. You know, I, th I don't think you're giving it credit. Uh, but the thing is, it coddles you for two hours, and then says okay, more than two hours, whatever, five hours, and then yeah. it says, okay, now go figure all this shit out. And, and it's complicated. Like there's there's a lot going on in that game. It's, just, it's not. It's not you actually Revelations is more like what you want. Because you basically have to spend a couple hours outside Revelation just to learn and read about what the hell is going on in the game. But the idea that you can't get lost is, I think, another problem. Is a, is a problem. Like you had to figure out where to go in Ragnarok. You had to figure out like where to level and what to do. And I think that that was okay. There's a sense of discovery and figuring shit out. I think that people do want. And but, like, it, yeah, I agree. It has to be done well. Okay. So you have to kind of, you know, it can't be just nearly impossible to get go. You kind of, you know. There should be a good feedback between, oh, I did this, did it work, did it not work, what was my response to it? Like, it's gotta have good, the game has to give you good feedback. And what you're doing is working. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like these games that coddle you too much. I have a funny story, guys, from our childhood here. Not really funny, but this is a related story. Okay. So Omar and I were playing Awesome Online, and after a few months, we said, we really got to get our friends into this game. It's, it's so amazing. So I remember I organized. It took a long time to organize this, especially back then with dial-up. Um, we don't all have our own phones. You know, I, I had to call my, I had to talk to them in school, arrange a certain date. Basically, like five, six of my our friends bought Ultima Online. They convinced their parents to get, you know, they give them the credit card for the monthly subscription. We all met online in the same place as the newbie area, and this was a monumental challenge back then to organize this, right, without mm -hmm. Discord or anything. So then we all play, like six of us, six plus us two or whatever. So eight of us, we go out, and it was literally like uh, watching like a filter, like you're pouring like. Uh, the sand down a filter, and I would see the drop-off rate. Some For some of my friends, it clicked. Like, whoa, Ultima Online, like, I get to kill these orcs, I get to loot them, I get stronger, I'm in this world. It clicked, it kept playing. But every day, some of them dropped off. Cause it, it didn't click for them. It was, they didn't know what why this skill did this, they didn't know how, how to get back to town if they did disconnected. Like, they didn't know what was, they died, they didn't know how to get resurrected. So, you, the funnel, if it clicks for you, if you're the one out of 10 people, that this kind of old school system, if you just happen to have it figure it out in your head it's a lot of fun but i think for most people it's just confusing it's frustrating it's tiresome this you know what i can go play i, I can play mario 64 why am i gonna you know read for 12 hours on how to get back to town if i die in ultima online that's true 
And but I, I don't think these these systems are mutually exclusive of being too complex and having more like depth. Like for example, I don't like it, it really nags me that there, in Final Fantasy XIV there is no other way to build a character. Like I want my I want my black mage to be at least like some kind of skill tree, some kind of status that lets me differentiate myself from somebody else. Now, if you don't want to have like like maybe just maybe you can choose like one of like five like you know you know I think the, uh, World of Warcraft does like talents now. You choose from like it's a little more simple. Yeah. You can choose between like one of like three things every like uh, like every every level or every, every few levels or something, right? Yeah. There's got to be something where I can differentiate my character from somebody else's. You know, I don't want one black mage or one paladin or one character to be the identical to somebody else. Oh, so and there's got to be a way to do that within the simplicity, like the realm of simplicity. Well, what about what you just said, like uh, wild talents? Does, does that work? For you? That's better. That's better. Okay. Yes, it works. I, that works I better. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't played Final Fantasy fourteen, so I don't yeah. know the exact system it has. Well, there's there's literally no system. Okay. Every black mage, every paladin is identical. There's, there's no, there's no. Your gear is the only differentiation, and you earn the gear by doing like raids and stuff. You know, there's no skill system. Like, and there's skill talent trees. I think we've seen in games like I feel like talent trees exist in a lot of like Korean MRPGs as well. But like they've really like I feel like we, we don't have enough of them. Like there's got to be some some different ways to build a character. And the problem with that, of course, too, is meta ends up being developing and like half half the talents become utterly useless. And people crunch the numbers and figure out what, what works best. But there should be more than one viable build, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Even, you can even have in that a, in a simple way. Yeah, even a simple game can do that, yeah. But Diablo 3 doesn't do that, you said. No, in Diablo 3, every wizard is the same. But when you go into battle, when you leave town, you have to select... There's like four or five skill slots. so And you have to choose which skills to take with you. And, and each skill has like five versions. So my Frost Nova has like... It's like six versions of Frost Nova, and you might not have the same one as me, but you could just switch to mine in town. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, another good uh, SC Wolf at a good, good at a good point. Huge skill trees with freely distributable and modifiable points are a really good way to ease a casual player into it. I like that as well. I think that there's this notion in MRPGs as well. I know a lot of Path of Exile players are very hardcore sold on the notion that you know you lock your stats in. You know, if you don't like it, you gotta make a new character. But I think if you have you know a really cool complex system in a more casual game. And just give people free resets on their skills and stuff, you know, and that will ease them into it as well. You can maybe get both ends of the curve, you know, people that want more depth and they can always customize their stuff whenever they want. Yeah, I think Path of Exile really should add a a total reset after like, at level like twenty and forty and sixty, and after sixty, no free resets. I feel so many people get frustrated with the way they spec their character and they don't want to redo it. That's actually really smart. At a certain level, you just cut it off. You know, like have it as a, at, however you want to a certain point. Honestly, Path of Exile should do that. And here's the thing. Here's a, here's a funny thing. All the pros will say, oh, the veteran, not pros, but veterans will, like, will say, oh, just make a new character. What's the big deal? Because to a veteran, making a new character with the knowledge they have and getting from 1 to 60 takes like like a couple hours, like three hours tops. They can get to 1 to 60, three hours tops, right? But for mm-hmm. a new player, that 1 to 60 is like a month of work because they're not doing it properly. They're not doing it optimally. So when they hear, oh, you messed up your character, make a new one. Make a new one, level 60 character. No big deal. They, they say, nope, I'm done. This is done. not for me. And actually, there was a funny funny comment on that. on uh, I think on MOS.com, we had a post about Path of Exile. I think it was actually on our Path of Exile page. Somebody ends up saying like what he didn't like about the skill system. And the guy was like, oh, if, you, if you're not prepared to make like eight new characters, Path of Exile isn't for you. It's like, wait a minute. Like, that, that is a bit of an ask, you know, expecting somebody to make mm-hmm. so many new characters. Yeah, and like I said, it's no big deal to someone who knows what they're doing. Like, for me to play through the four acts that I already played through, I can play through it like 10 times faster than I did my first time. So for me, mm-hmm. oh, make a new character? No problem. You know, 
it'll take an afternoon. But it's it's too big of an ask for a new player. That's true. But it seems like it's a, there's such a good compromise though. Like after level like 45, 50, then then all your talents lock. Until then, let people do whatever they want. You know, like you you know, you, there's still a lot more leveling to go. But people, like that's actually a big frustration point, I think. And I think people on our Discord channel, a lot of people online have complained about that a lot. They they screw up their character and they don't want to play anymore. But you really don't lose anything by giving people that option at level until level 45, because you're not really into the hardcore element at 45 anyway. So I think you, you you can satisfy the hardcore players and the new players if they just gave you that idea, that system. Yeah. And as if someone in chat said something I always love hearing, well, in the game, there's some an item drops called an orb of regret, and each one orb lets you redo one skill, like backtrack one. <laughs> so, and my, the first time I played the game, the first time I played it and I actually quit and I didn't like it, was I every time I got an orb of regret, I used it because I'm like, oh yeah, I'll try this skill because I, I kept seeing them drop, you know. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'll use it. And then later, someone told me, you idiot, you're supposed to keep those. Cause now, cause those are more valuable than your entire account. Cause like you can trade them for a chaos or everything, and then get all this gear with them. I'm like, oh, oops, I just wasted like ten of them on my level twenty archer. You know, like, so, I, I it, it's a very unintuitive system. It's a good name though. Honestly, the orb of regret. It's a conceivable item that makes you regret your choice for I, skill. I it, actually regret. Good... I regret using my orb of regrets. That's what I regret. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would love to see Path of Exile do that. I'm still glad to see Path of Exile doing so well, and we'll probably be doing we'll be doing the video for Path of Exile on the Fall of the Orioth is a new expansion. We'll be starting in uh, Act Five for our video uh, this Friday. So if you want to see more Path of Exile, uh, check us out this Friday. It should be fun. Yep, I'm excited for that. And again, oh, customization, customization, customization. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see games do you know, have right. that. Be sure to show the tech, you know, the skill tree in Path of Exile when we stream it. Oh man, that's it's so easy to screw up. I mean, I've played Path of Exile before, and I've, I've screwed up every character I've made before. And even my current character, I'm pretty sure it's not optimal. But I'm playing for fun that it doesn't even matter for me. Mm-hmm. And I've been having fun playing it the last few days. It's a bit of a time sink, but you know, it's good. That, you, know, you kind of lose track of time while playing Path of Exile. All right, I have it? a funny story for you. All right, and I want your I want your legal opinion. Okay. All right, I, I am a legal scholar of the. In the chat, I want to see your legal opinions here. Okay, so as some of you may know. Uh, StarCraft Remastered launched yesterday. I pre-ordered it. I'm playing it. It looks great, I think. But uh, it's having a few issues in Korea. Uh, in Korea, where StarCraft is huge, uh, the LAN center PC bang owners are having a dispute with Blizzard. Blizzard wants to charge them all licenses, money, for StarCraft Remastered. But the PC bang owners are saying, wait a minute, this is just StarCraft. We already paid for StarCraft. You know, why? We don't, we don't want to pay again. It's it's just you know it's it's cross it's compatible with uh, StarCraft the original like if somebody if I have StarCraft Remastered and my brother doesn't and he launches Brood War and I launch this we can play together I'll hmm. have the new graphics I'll have the old graphics so it's it's basically the same game so the PC bang owners don't want to pay uh, so here's I'll read out the actual dispute here the Korean PC Bang Association has taken issue with Blizzard's new policy to charge PC cafes between two hundred three and two hundred thirty three won twenty cents per hour for offering the new StarCraft game to visiting players. So Blizzard wants 20 cents an hour for every player who plays StarCraft Remastered across Korea in PC banks. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It adds up. Yeah. So but what do they, you think? They still, have the, they still have the old ver. They don't have to offer the game, though. They can, they can just keep playing the old one. Yeah, but they, well, obviously they want to offer for free, the new one. So who, who do you the- side with? Who do you side with? I, I hate to be siding with the company in this case because I'm kind of salty at Blizzard for not making a vanilla service or anything or a production service. But it seems like, look, I, I understand that they bought the game. And the thing is, by offering StarCraft Remastered, when Blizzard launched StarCraft Remastered, it didn't take anything away 
from the PC bank owners. They still ha- own the copy of StarCraft 1 that they bought 20 mm-hmm. years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And they can continue offering StarCraft 1. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is like an upgrade. If, if you want it, you know, nobody's forcing the PC bank owners to, to get StarCraft Remastered for their for their players. Of course, the, the people that come to the PC bank are going to demand it. They want to play StarCraft Remastered. They don't want to play StarCraft 1. Maybe this was actually the genius behind StarCraft Remastered because they saw how popular StarCraft was in Korea. And, you know, and the thing with StarCraft's popularity in Korea, they didn't make any money off it because they sold millions of copies of StarCraft 1 in like 20 years ago, right, in South Korea. No one's buying StarCraft 1 again in South Korea. So by basically replacing all the existing users of StarCraft uh, 1 with this in, in PC banks with a pay-as-you-go model, right, they, they can continually keep milking StarCraft instead of this one-off that they got 20 years ago. Because again, they made no money off StarCraft 1 in Korea probably in the last like 10 years because everyone already owns it. This is actually pretty genius business-wise. I will have to side with them because I don't think the, the PC bank owners are entitled to this new version of the game. I mean, it, it is a, it is a, you know they're charging money. If they offer, here's the thing: if they offered it for free, like in America, like instead of paying thirty, how much you bought? It, how, how much did you pay for it? How uh, much is it? Fifteen dollars. But no, here's the thing: they're not offering it. The PC banks do not have a choice to buy a, a license. They have to pay Blizzard twenty cents an hour. Okay, no, that 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 that's bad. Then maybe maybe they should, they should have the option of paying fifteen bucks up front. Wait, you can for your home version, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a radio. I don't know if you guys knew this, guys, but if you let's say you have a restaurant or a pizza place and you own a store, you can't just buy a radio and play it uh, at at your store because now it's a commercial distribution, and for commercial distribution you need a license. So you have to pay uh, the the rights owners of every song that you play uh, a commercial fee. So this is the same principle. The home consumer version is $15. Yeah, and you can play as much as you want. But to, to play at the land cafes, Blizzard says, no, 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 no. You can't buy a retail right. copy. You got to you gotta pay me every hour from now until doomsday. You know, as long as people That's bullshit. <laughs> I'll say that's bullshit. They should be able to buy the $15 copy if they want. Because that's, that's utter bullshit. I was going to say, if they, if, they, if they patched the version of StarCraft, and like StarCraft 3 Master was just a patch, and everyone just gets it for free, and then to charge money is completely douchey, right? But I think it is douchey also to, to force them on that option. They should be allowed to buy a retail copy for every one of their PCs, and they're good to go. That'd be that. You know, if they did that, I have no problem. But the fact that they're not doing that, it makes it a little more on the fence. Uh, maybe I'll side a bit more with the with the, the uh, PC banks this time for that for that reason. All right. Well, uh, the story apparently this this uh, this case is going towards the uh, Korean antitrust regulator, and we will hear their uh, ruling soon, guys. So we let's cross our fingers and hope the PC bangers win. Let's hope the PC bangers bang them up, bang Blizzard. All right, you played StarCraft Remastered. What do you think, anyway? Oh, I love it. I, uh, it's different. It's it's refreshing enough without being totally new. So, for example, my biggest uh, happy point right now is the old version of StarCraft. It had black bars on new monitors because when StarCraft came out, you know, resolu- monitors were squares, right? And now they're like rectangles. So what that meant is like the sides were just black. Now uh, they actually made it uh, the resolution higher, so that you can see the full screen. So uh, that's my biggest happy point right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing a lot of people play it on Steam. I mean, on, on rather on, on on Twitch. I think most people are watching that remastered launch day event from day nine. That's what everyone's watching on on Twitch for it. But it looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I might play on your account. I don't know, like I don't know if it's worth fifteen bucks for me. If I'm not gonna get at least like five hours out of it. Oh, I'm gonna I'm get, I got like two hours yesterday. I'm gonna get more, you know, today. For me, if I get if I get 15 hours, if I, for every dollar I spend, if I get that many, you know, hours out of it, for me, it's worth. That's like, I feel like that's kind of my benchmark. Uh, someone so in chat, I, yeah. chat mentioned the the launch wasn't that big. I I would disagree. I mean, if you look at Twitch right now and just go to like games, it's sitting pretty at number four. 
you know, it's Battle Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is number one. League of Legends, Hearthstone, and then Starcraft. I mean, so I don't know what else you expect. It's not going to be Hearthstone. It's not going to be League of Legends, but you know, it's it's number four. That's that's pretty good. Also, I feel like we should, you know, it's pretty remarkable to see a new game dethrone League of Legends on Twitch. I mean, for the longest time, League of Legends has been the most watched game for as long as I can remember on Twitch. And now Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is pretty regularly beating it on that list, which is pretty incredible. I mean, I, I didn't know it was such a good, like, spectator game. It's fun to watch because silly things happen. But I feel like that game could be more fun if they set, like, a spectator client. Imagine, like, spectating a game, like a random game, and you see, like, different camera angles. You don't see the player name, so you can't, like, help anybody. But you can kind of, like, maybe get, like, a different glances of every encounter as it happens. That could be a, a beautiful game to watch I, if they made a good spectator client. I think they said they're working on that, actually. A spectator client. If they do that, and you get, like, you can see the action on a 100-player game. You know, you can see everyone from, like, a at the beginning, you get a really big view of the game, and it kind of, the camera auto-pans, like, the way the camera auto-pans in League Spectator into all the action scenes. That would be remarkable, and like even if you can hear the like the voice chat, because like the voice chat in that game can create some really fun atmospheres of of shit talk and a funny uh, banter. So I feel like that would be awesome, PUBG. Do you know what I also? Do you know why I think uh, PUBG does well as a spectator game? Hmm. There's enough downtime for a lot of backseat gaming. Like the viewers can be like, oh, we should have went left. Oh, we should go into that building. Oh, why do you? Go oh, to you're that? right. You're right. It's you know? good. Because some games are too fast. Like like if you watch people, play, if you watch pros play like StarCraft, the the screen is zipping too fast. You you can't really. You can't really tell him what to do or like think what he should do. Mm. But in PUBG, it's slow enough that you can just like pretend like you would know what to do better than he does. And you can't really do that for MOBAs either because there's downtime in MOBAs when you're dead, but there's a lot of downtime in PUBG. Yeah. And you, yeah, uh, uh, that's pretty incredible. That's probably one of the reasons it's doing so well too. Yeah. There's time for like, if you're a streamer, there's time for like jokes to, you know, like <laughs> goof around. You talk, you know, read your streamer's chat. Uh, but in a lot of games, that's not the case. So. All right. We we now that we're talking about FPS games, we got to mention uh, this interesting article on Atmos.com. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is this is very odd. FPS games linked to reduction of gray matter. So uh, give us give us a gist on this. Okay, so this is funny. So again, <clears throat> this is one study was done uh, on a group of people, and they said playing FPS games uh, reduces the gray matter in your brain, which uh, could have a big impact on you in later life. Uh, they they found. Healthy 18 year 18 to 35 year olds who were not gamers. That's a key point here. So they found non-gamers and they made them play games for a while. And they said, uh, so it reduced your gray matter. But there's a there's a silver lining, guys. If you play platformers, okay, 3D platformers, it it reverses it. So if you want to play an hour of Counter Strike, you got to balance it with an hour of like Mario. Okay, <laughs> that's that keeps the brain in check, guys. But what's the reason behind that? It seems very odd that you would actually, you know, lose. Again, what does what the gray matter in your hippocampus actually do? Okay, so the point of the hippocampus is used for spatial memory, okay, and long-term memory. So I think, and this is my guess, I, I don't think they even know exactly why this happened so much as it did happen. It's because they use less of the hippocampus when they're navigating the, th the virtual space. So it's like, it's like moving around the world, but without spatialness so like your brain doesn't know if you're actually moving or not i think I, can, I think it fools your brain to thinking you're navigating without using your spatial awareness because it's a 2d world you know and it's kind of small you know and the yeah. map is not changing either that's actually pretty interesting because the example was if you played platformers mm -hmm. you actually end up gaining more you know gray matter in that regard so it kind of offsets it so <clears throat> i was playing um i want to be the guy not not there's like three versions of that game. I forgot which one it was. I was playing one of the versions of I Want to Be the Guy, a very difficult platforming game. Much more difficult than I Want to Be the Guy. It's a different version, a spin-off of it. 
And as I played, you had to be very aware of your surroundings while platforming. But it's a 2D one, so I'm not sure if, if, if it gains, gains many more gray matter. But I, I mean, it's a very, I, I don't know why, but I, I could see that maybe, you know, being beneficial. You always have to be aware of all the bullshit traps that you memorized from previously before. So am I gaining, am I gaining gray matter as I, as I try struggling on my platforming? Definitely. <laughs> so the study shows 85% of gamers who play six or more hours a week have been shown to rely more heavily on this brain structure to find their way in the game. Interesting study. Okay, so here's, a, here's a, another reason maybe why. If the FPSs, they reward response learners. So I think it's a lot of Twitch stuff, right? <clears throat> so you're, not, you're using a different part of your brain than the hippocampus. So the hippocampus deteriorates because of that. I don't know. Interesting. I'm not a I'm not a scientist. I don't really get it. All I know so is if you're gonna play shooters, play some 3D uh, platformers too. <laughs> Gotta balance that. It's, it's a working out exactly. Don't skip don't, like don't that. Skip. Right? <laughs> Pretty funny. So when I, play, when I see my friends playing Counter Strike, I'm gonna look at that article. All right, and then when I, when I invite them over to play some random platformers. All right, here's a fun discussion we have to have. All right, we have to talk about esports in the Olympics because when I read this, I was mega hype, and we talked about this previously. And I think the consensus was like, oh, it's never going to happen. Esports are never going to make it to the Olympics. That's bullshit. Esports isn't a real sport. And look, 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 look. It's being considered, all right? The International Olympic Committee is considering esports to be a medal event in 2024 Paris Olympic. And this is as legit, legit as it comes. The fact that they're even talking about it at least gives us some hope. Okay, here's the thing. One, I'm sure they consider a lot of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I bet Monopoly, the board game, was considered at some point. They wouldn't even know. They would know. They never. They never said that we're considering Monopoly. All right. I don't I'm know. Sure. Maybe they did. <laughs> Come on. But here's the problem. I am the per, you know permanent esports skeptic here. Here's the problem. By 2024, right, which is the French Olympics, mm-hmm. we don't even know which games are going to be esports. Like League could be dead in 2024. Probably not, but it could be. Right. Like, I mean, like Han dropped off. Han was big. It dropped off. Right. So, yeah. So we don't know. So here's the problem with esports. They don't have the, the lasting time that other sports have. Like people were playing soccer, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, baseball, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. But, you know, league is not going to be the the esport from now until like, you know, the it doesn't century. have to be. The point is, it's, you know, you could have an esports, like it, it doesn't have to be like a, a League of Legends medal. It'll be an esports medal, right? For whatever's popular what? that year. It's like having a sports medal. It's like, no. You, and congratulations to Omar Altai. He is the gold medalist at sports. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No, you, you got you a gold medal in esports this year. No. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, but you get gold They can have multiple events for it. League of oh, Legends come this on. year. What? Fine. You, you can have multiple events. One for Counter-Strike. One for League of Legends. And they can each be their own medal, right? You get two it's medals like there, the ca- boom. The like, it's like It's like they have to run. They play uh, Counter-Strike for an hour. Then they have to run to the next computer and play League of Legends for an hour. And they run to the next computer. <laughs> Congrats, Rima. You're, you are the master of sports. No, but they, they, they could have like... Uh, the point, it doesn't have to be consistent. You don't. You, know, you you can have a league one year and not next year. I, no, I don't see what the problem. No, 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 no. Dude, people train a lifetime for one shot at one Olympics for like one medal. Like a guy will, like a 12 year old will practice like like skiing, like, okay, for like, and, and the special kind of like skiing that the Olympic you know, medal is for. Like he'll practice for like years and years and years just for that one event. You can't, you can't have, okay, well this year it's league, this year it's Dota, this year it's, it doesn't work. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Actually, Etherville G said a good point. A gaming decathlon sounds interesting actually. So you can be the king of you can get a gold medal for esports. So imagine That'd like so funny. This is, no hold on. This is a tournament, right? First round. 
everyone plays Counter Strike Go, right? Whoever does the best, and then they move on. Like one team of five people, they play Counter Strike Go, then they play League, then they play like, then they play War Mode, right? <laughs> they mix it up, right? Even better. Like it starts with like Pong, Atari. There's an Atari station, and like once you yeah. beat the computer at Pong, you can move on to the next station, which is like NES, and then SNES. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Like and like, like, there's like five events, right? Like all big games, and like the sixth event is an unknown every year. So at the, when when they, they all sit down in front of the computer, they go to mmos.com, they click the random mmo random button, right? You play a random freaking game. So oh, it looks like they're gonna be playing Gold Rush, Golden Rush this year. They're gonna be playing oh, a random game that nobody's prepared for. So it's, it is a it can be an esports medal that way because it will be like. Oh. Random. Can, can they do it? I guess it's their it's their system. But will they do it? No, because I think it's too gimmicky. But the, why are they? Hold on, hold on, listen. There's also an affiliate of the Olympics, which is uh, which got the blessings of the Olympic Committee. There's something called the Asian Games. All right, the 2020 Asian Games will be having for the first time ever a medal esports event. So this is again, it's not the Olympics. But it was, it's headed by the Olympic Council of Asia. There is clearly some kind of affiliation with the International Olympics. International Olympics is all the countries, right? And the Asian games are just basically the Asian countries. But in the Asian games, where gaming is a bigger part of the culture, there is already, um, for the first time ever, some kind of medal event for esports. So it, it's happening in the Asian games. Why can't it happen on the international front? Don't well, you think they consider these problems? I mean, the name alone gives it away, the Asian Games. I think it's just a, it's like a good promotion. Like, they want to, you know, they want publicity. They want young people to get involved in the Olympics. And they know, you know, what are young people like? Video games. All right, let's, let's, let's throw them But well, this is the first time they're doing a medal. Wait, wait, do you mean 2022? Okay, but what, do you know what game they're doing for Asian Games? I mean, look, it was announced. Let me click on it. One sec. Esports will feature in the 2022 Hangzhou Asian Games. Uh, let's see. But here's I don't the, know yet. Just calling it esports, it kind of disqualifies it from being serious because, like, like, like when I play, when, you know, when there's like a, when there's like wrestling at the Olympics or whatever, right? They don't call it like like fighting. Like they call it wrestling. And there's one for Taekwondo. They're different events. Like so, esports is too broad of an umbrella. Like esports is like saying Olympics. And I'm saying like, you don't have a. You don't have like one medal for the Olympics. Like obviously, you are but, the but, Olympic. But, but, Good job. So but you, <laughs> you are the Olympic. So you can't have. There's no. You can't have an esports medal. You have to have like a League of Legends medal or like. But you can do that because look, when they when they talk about like uh, shooting, right? You don't get a shooting medal. You get like yeah. There's like five different events in shooting, right? Oh. So you have esports. There'll be five different events oh. under it. Oh, so there's just huge. So they're gonna do this whole like all these games, a different medal event. No, like probably two, three games. Yeah, the all two right. or three biggest games they'll do every year. And, and then that all falls in the category of esports. Like, they'll say, oh, China got three shooting medals this year. They don't say China it's, got, like, or like 500 meter dash medals. No, they say they got track medals, track yeah, and field. A, okay, so, it would have, so you're, you're thinking they're going to add a whole new, like, category. Category, like, yes. Like, like swimming, like, uh, water sports, uh, you know, whatever. East, and then esports. esports. There's water sports, there's esports, there's land sports, air sports. Why, why not esports? It's, it's, here's the thing, like, the 200 meter dash. I, I don't even know if it's 200 meters, but 200 meter dash, that event. You can track that for 100 years and see how it changed. Like, the guy who won the 200-meter dash gold medal in 1901 all right, versus today, yeah. like, there's no way of that happening in esports. Because every 10 years, the, the games completely change. That's okay. Why <laughs> is that a problem? Though? I don't know. That, 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 I don't think it's a problem. All right, also, we'll see. Let's be, oh, let's be real. Like, young people don't watch the Olympics that much, okay? The viewership amongst the younger audience is down. Is I it, don't watch the Olympics. I don't know. You don't watch I just made that up. As, 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 <laughs> most statistics they made up on the spot. Let's see. Maybe it's going up. Who knows? Let's find out. Millennials. All right. Millennials. Olympic viewership with millennials. NBC blames millennials for low ratings. Okay. So clearly oh, there's millennials. 18 to 49 year olds. Um, 
drop a full 25 percent between 2012 and 2016 the olympics right 25 percent drop between 18 and 49 year olds so young people so my gut was right young people don't watch olympic okay and i, I don't watch olympics do you watch olympics no you don't watch it either right nope okay but if there was some kind if there was an esport event I, I would bet that we would watch it because like oh shit go america you know i, mean, I would feel the sense of pride if my country if america can win in like league of legends or something or like and, and the cool thing about the olympics would be like we it would be an american team doing it like okay. it wouldn't be right. like tsm clg dignitas no it's an Amer- team america team is america. gonna get the we're gonna beat those chinese and koreans right go team america <laughs> But here's another funny thing. It's basically if they ever do this, let's say they do it for league, it's gonna be just a massive free advertising for for Riot, right? Yeah. Like when they hold when they hold like running at the Olympics, you know, at least Nike has to pay for the endorsement. <laughs> you know, but you so Riot Games gonna get this huge international free promotion and uh, sponsorship by having their own. It's like it's like imagine Nike gets to make up a sport and add it to the Olympics. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me, but we'll see. How it, look. look. I would look, I'm telling you, I don't watch the Olympics, you don't watch the Olympics. I would for sure, I would love to root for a Team America in honestly, I don't give a shit about Team America in soccer, in, in dressage, in freaking shooting. Those sports, those events mean nothing to me. Literally zero. Listen, I'd rather watch fucking the cook I'd rather watch Chopped on the cooking channel than uh than watch the Olympics. I have zero interest in Olympic sports or events. But if there was for me, I connect with esports, like I would want to watch. That. I would understand what's going on. I would love to see that. And what do they lose by adding it? Like they talk about the viewership in esports too. These are there's hundreds of millions of people watching esports. There's a lot of people watching these Look, events. I'm not doubting that, but I just think the the the, the promotion, the, the fact that they're privately owned. Like nobody owns sports, right? But, yeah. But somebody owns League. Somebody owns Counter Strike. Imagine Nike gets to make Nike ball. It's like you have to wear Nike shoes on your hands and like play basketball like that. Like it would be stupid, wouldn't it? Yes, but that's not, not Nike's not making up a sport in this case. But, but Riot is. Did, well, why does Riot did. get to make and Hold promote on. and own and, and make money if, from if a Nike sport? If Nike made up an event where you, you put shoes on your hands and you, you crawl on all fours and whatever you want to do, right? And if, if, if hundreds of millions of people watch that, yeah, it, it's in the running. Because esports viewership last year was over 320 million people. That's huge. Huge. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I think it's – look, how about this? Why can't we have our own thing? Why can't there be a separate international esports event, and then we give our own medals instead of being part of the Olympics? Like, why do we? Because have to- the Olympics has this cachet. Okay, it's this thing that like brings unifies all these countries already. And why? I, I, there's I don't understand why it can't be its own division in the Olympics. It's being considered. I'm willing to bet if it doesn't happen in 2024, it's gonna happen Fine. by about, 2030. What, is my date. All right. What, what about poker? What about chess? What about Magic the Gathering? What, why don't we have? How many things? people watch poker? How many people a watch lot. Magic the Gathering? How, how many? A lot. A lot of people watch poker. Worldwide poker Poker's viewership. Huge. No, it's not. All right, poker ratings. Here we go. Uh, let's see if we can find out how many people. Uh, no, I can't find anything on people actually watching poker. Uh, and poker would actually be okay because at least nobody owns poker. But Magic the Gathering, oh. it's like sponsored by Hasbro. Magic the Gathering. Wait, ESPN averaged 1.2 million viewers for the final table in the World Series of Poker. In, in the number one event, they got 1.2 million viewers. Okay? What about chess? Chess is huge. World. How many, how many people watch World Championships in the League? League of know. Legends, Worlds, million viewers. I think over, let's see how many million. 32 million people with peak concurrent viewers of 8.5 million. 
peak current 8.5 million. That's that's why. And this is Lee. If you count all the esports at once, their peak time, wait, add wait, them up together. Why are you adding yeah. them all up? You, you're not adding up all like the board games. Like, why, why would you add it all up? Whatever, it doesn't matter. The point wait. is, people do play. The more people play Lee than poker, all right? It's more viewed. More viewed. More a lot of people casually play poker as well. Oh boy! But this wow. is this is an event. It's a thing. This is I exciting, guys. Uh, we have some disagreement here. I'm sorry if it, uh, it actually took up all of the podcast, guys. So. No, not, we were in the last leg anyway. But look, right. I, I, why is this league owning a problem? And you can't say Magic. Not that people watch Magic the Gathering. They don't. This huge event. Esports has. How many people watch those events total? I don't know. A the lot. numbers I, don't come close. Three, I over see, three I watch see Magic all the time on this. Uh, what's it called? Twitch. One of those big tournaments. All the time. We're talking tens of thousands maximum. We're talking 300 million worldwide esports viewers. You, why are you adding it all together? <laughs> like, why not? Well, well, add poker, add magic, add, no, add, no, poker, add, no, add Yu-Gi-Oh. You add up, why, why add up all the viewers of, of track and field. They all count as Okay, why bank. add up all the board games, chess games, all those games? Call <laughs> Tactile games, uh, Olympics. Like, doesn't matter. I don't see why you're adding up all these esports. You don't have to. Just look at League and Counter Strike. It's all you need in Dota. The three games over there. Those games alone have huge followers. They're good. Oh boy. All right. Well, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I again, personally, I'm happy if they made their own separate international esports organization. Why? I don't know. I don't see a reason for it to be part of the Olympics. Because it, it's it's a Olympics already established. It's already this big thing that you know you could be proud of your country for and i i would be proud you know it, it'd be like the one thing that'd be like yeah fuck yeah america but the whole there are many things that give me that pride would you say the point of the olympics is physical prowess of that no 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 what physical has nothing to do with it that that's kind of like it's their it's their ability as, no. as humans as people if to, that was, to look, do they, these extraordinary things no i don't agree with that why is the physical part matter? there's no physicalness in dressage either the horses has to be fit <laughs> the horses not the humans I don't do that fit. It's not about the horse being jacked. The horse is not training. It's it's the human training the horse and his you know relationship with the Look, horse. If what that's, you're saying is true, kind of if, 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 if size of the audience is the only thing that matters, chess is a lot bigger than lots of Olympic sports. So the reason that chess stayed out is the same reason I think esports should stay out. That's my point. But the audience for chess is not as big. Oh, if, if I don't, if, I think you're wrong. I, I think the audience for chess is huge. First of all. If the audience for chess was a billion people, uh, guess what? Chess in the Olympics next year. Nobody cares. Th- this whole physical thing is bullshit. That's not what determines what's in the Olympics right now. It's a combination of how popular it is and all these other factors. So games like chess have get zero scores on physical, right? And you can say esports is very low physical score as well. But you can make up for that in viewership. I don't think... Because if you look at purely physical, you know, it, chess is... A dressage I, I think, or shooting. You're not running and shooting. You're just aiming. All right. There's more... T- in fact, you move your hand more in chess than you do in shooting. I mean, right. you burn more calories playing League of Legends than you do playing uh, when you're shooting a gun. All right. Well, we're running out of time, guys, unfortunately. But we, we will we keep can... going. And in the post game, I'm going to look up how big chess is, and we're going to keep right. this argument going until until one of us just drops dead, okay? So okay. stay tuned for that. If you're watching on YouTube, you're lucky. You don't have to hear the rest of this. See you next week. <laughs> yeah. Peace. Later, YouTube. <laughs>